Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. I don't know what you've come to do tonight. I told Brother Alex this afternoon, bring some shouting shoes with you. Now, I, I, I've been preaching long enough that I understand. I understand the, the, the hermeneutics of, of preaching. I understand that you're supposed to get a scripture and you, you get a main point and you get a couple, couple things and you work up to that. I'm going to come out of the gate tonight, Pastor. So the, the, when I start, it's not going to get any better than that. So you better jump in right away. I preached this to our students a few weeks ago. And it has revolutionized our worship in Youth on Fire. And I'm so excited tonight. I just need you to help me in the book of Exodus chapter 28. I know you're thinking, what in the world could he possibly preach from this scripture? 28 verse 31. And thou shalt make the robe of the ephod all of blue. And there shall be a hole in the top of it in the midst thereof. It shall have a binding of woven work round about the whole of it, as it were the whole of a habergen. I think that's how you say that. That it may not be rent. And beneath, upon the hem of it, thou shalt make pomegranates of blue and of purple and of scarlet, round about the hem thereof, and bells of gold between them round about. A golden bell and a pomegranate. And he says it again. A golden bell and a pomegranate. Upon the hem of the robe round about, and it shall be upon Aaron to minister. And his sound shall be heard when he goeth in unto the holy place before the Lord, and when he cometh out, that he die not. That he die not. I want to preach to you for a few moments tonight. It may look foolish, but it's keeping me alive. Amen. Pastor, won't you pray? Pray over us tonight. Amen. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Come on, Zion, lift your voice right here for just a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Father. You can be seated. There are some relationship necessities in our relationship with Jesus Christ. There are some things that just simply are not negotiable. They are things that we preach, we teach, and if you're going to make it to heaven, it's because you have these practices in your life. They are prayer and fasting. Don't worry, I've not come to preach about prayer and fasting. It probably wouldn't hurt us, but I, I'm gonna leave that to your pastor tonight. But prayer and fasting they are things that are designed to show us how to kill the flesh. Prayer and fasting are what kills the flesh. And if, if it's true tonight that prayer and fasting is what makes us die, then certainly it is true that it is our worship 
that makes us feel alive tonight? Are there any worshipers in the house of God tonight? I'm going to preach to you about worship in just a few minutes, but let me, let me just talk about a few other things here tonight. I want to tell you that this world simply does not understand why we do what we do. They don't understand our worship. They don't understand our church services. They don't understand why we dress the way we do. They don't understand why we don't go and why we don't do the things we don't do. But let me tell you, it may to them look foolish, but I've come to preach tonight. It may look foolish, but it's keeping me alive. Everything I do, they may not understand it, but they don't have to understand it. I do it because it keeps me alive. It makes me feel alive. And if I'm gonna make it to heaven someday, it's gonna be because I'm a worshiper. Imagine the plan of salvation will keep you alive, church. Imagine, if you will, a young man building a boat. <laughs> what are you doing? His friends probably thought he was crazy. Just, just I, I know I'm, I'm crazy because I start reading scripture sometimes and it's not boring to me. There is some boring reading, I'm not going to lie. But when I get in the scripture, I try to place myself in that scenario and I try to think about what exactly is going on. And I see this man out here, his wife, his kids, his friends, they think he's lost his mind. What are you doing, Noah? God told me to build it. He's out here. He's building this boat. No one's ever even heard of rain. I don't, perhaps they, they didn't even know what a boat was. He's building this monstrosity of a structure out here. What for? Well, because me and my family and all the animals are going to go in there someday, and you can go with us too. He's preaching the same message. He's building the same boat for 120 years. He must have looked like an absolute idiot. But at the end of the day, when the rains begin to fall, he may have looked like a fool, but that ark kept him alive. You say, why do you go to church? Because it's keeping me alive. Why are you preaching the same message, Pastor? Because it's keeping me alive. Why you give your tithing and your offering to that church? Because it's keeping me alive. I'm building my family an ark of safety. It may look foolish to them, but it's keeping me alive. Watch this. Watch this, 1 Corinthians. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved by the power of God. It may look foolish, church, but it'll keep you alive. Keep preaching, keep building, keep going out into the world and compelling. It'll keep you alive. I heard, I heard a preacher say the other day, Noah was the most successful preacher ever. We've always said he was a failure. But everything the man said came true. And everybody that didn't get in that ark didn't make it. I come to tell you, if this man's preaching and in this pulpit, I don't care if it looks foolish. I don't care if it sounds foolish. If you'll do what the man of God says, it'll keep you alive. Even when you don't understand. Even when your family doesn't understand. When your friends don't understand. Just keep on keeping on. It may look foolish, but it'll keep you alive. You young people, you better listen to this man of God. When he says to do something, you better get up in your mind. I'm going to be obedient to the man of God. I know sometimes it may look foolish, but it'll keep you alive.
been youth pastoring for about a year. And uh, it's been a nice trip. And real smooth. A couple small bumps in the road. Just this week, my wife had to sit down. Me and my wife had to sit down with a young lady. I see her life, Bishop. She's getting off course. I can see it. Back here, I can see it just plain as day. I can see the trouble that she's going through. I can see the waves that she's creating for herself. I met with her on Wednesday night. I said, you better not. You better walk away. You better pull yourself back. Bishop, I don't know if she'll do it or not, but I hope to God she finds it in her heart to listen to the man of God in her life because she may not understand it. Her family may not ever understand. It may look foolish to some, but it'll keep her alive. The man of God still has authority and power in your life. He better be able to step to this pulpit and preach a word without fear or favor. You better get under the mantle of this man. You better do whatever he says. If he's in the book, it may look foolish, but it'll keep you alive. Young people, hear me. Hear me. I told you so is the worst thing a preacher could ever say. It does not make us feel good to say that. I promise you that. But you better do what this man of God says. If he's in this book, if he's doing what thus saith the Lord, you better do what he says. You better find it in your heart. Obedience is always better than sacrifice. You better do what this man, I don't even know why I'm preaching this right now. I got somewhere else to go, but somebody needs to hear this tonight. You better get under the mantle of your man of God. Even if you don't understand, even if it makes no sense at all, you better do what thus saith the man of God in your life. I'm telling you, I've, I've seen people fall and fail. I've been a victim of it myself when the man of God said, you better not, and I did it. I always found myself in trouble. Always when you go against the man of God, if he's wrong, God will take care of him. You just be faithful to what he says in your life. Come on, clap your hands. It may look foolish, but it'll keep you alive tonight. The Bible tells us about a young man found himself with a horrible case of leprosy. His name was Naaman. And the Bible said Naaman didn't think twice. He said, let's go to the man of God. He knew exactly where to go when he got in trouble, Bishop. I'm going to the man of God. I'm going, I'm going. Let's go. Pack it up. Let's go see the man of God. Got there. Man of God said, go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Uh-uh. I don't think so. That preacher's lost his mind. Thank God that Naaman had a friend there that said, you know what, Naaman? Had he told you to go do some great thing or give a bunch of money away, you would have gladly done it. Naaman said, well, I thought for sure he would just call upon the name of the Lord and strike me where I was so. No, the man of God said, just go dip in the river. What? In the George, there's another river, certainly, not the Jordan River. That one's nasty. It's filthy. It's dirty. The man of God said, go. 
Naaman, all you got to do is go get baptized in the Jordan River about seven times and you're gonna come out whole. And thank God he had a friend there. Young people, take a note tonight. If you'll surround yourself with young people that are also listening to this man of God, even when you say, I don't know if he's right or not, you'll have some friends that say, just go ahead and do it. I was there once. I was faithful to the man of God when I didn't understand. Just go ahead, Naaman. Go on down there and dip. The Bible said he went down there and on the seventh time, he come up clean and whole. It may look foolish, but it kept him alive. I said it kept him alive because he was faithful, because he was obedient. It may look foolish. People out there watching him. What are you doing, Naaman? What are you doing, Naaman? Oh, I'm just trying to stay alive. The man of God said this would heal me and I'm gonna be just faithful. I'm just gonna see if maybe God won't work for me. And he was. And it happened just like the man of God said. Young people, saints of God, when the man of God steps with the word, just be faithful and obedient. It may look foolish, but it'll keep you alive. They stumbled out of the upper room. 120 of them drunk on the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Here they come speaking in tongues. Nobody had ever seen that before, Bishop. No one had ever seen that before. People began to talk. What's going on? What's wrong with these people? They're drunk. Peter stood up and said, no, no. No, no, they're not drunk. Look what time it is, boys. They're full of new wine. You know what? It may look foolish to you, but this Holy Ghost and fire, it may look foolish, but it'll keep you alive. Baptism in Jesus' name may not make a lick of sense to you, but it'll keep you alive. If you're gonna go to heaven, if you're gonna have salvation, you better obey the plan of salvation. You better repent of your sins. You better go down in his name. And at some point, you had better talk in tongues as the Holy Ghost gives the utterance. It may look foolish, but it'll keep you alive. My God, help me, Lord. Let me move on. Let me move on. One more thing, and then I'm going to get to worship. Joshua took a group of, of believers to the walled city of Jericho. Anybody ever, or maybe now, had some barriers in your life? Felt like you've gone as far as you can go sometimes? Looking for that victory You've been praying for it for a long time. Maybe a lost child. Maybe a lost loved one. Maybe a job situation, Brother Mason. Maybe there's just a, an obstacle that seems impossible in your life. The man of God took him. He said, God's going to give us Jericho. God said, that's our city. God's going to absolutely give us this city. All right, what are we going to do? We're going to go in there and take it. The men of Jericho on that wall looking down thinking, oh, Lord, what's going to happen now? They had heard about their God. They were scared to death. They were down there thinking, oh, no, what's going to happen? Joshua said, okay. God said he's going to give us this city. Everybody's fired up. Everybody's ready to go. What do you want us to do, Joshua? I want you to march. What? Just march? That's it? Just march. I studied it. It would take one man about 20 minutes to walk around the walls of Jericho. There were 600,000 of them. It was going to take a while. They began to march. Amen. They began to march. Here they go. 
Everybody march. What are we doing, Joshua? We look like idiots. They're up there staring at us. Now they're throwing tomatoes at us. Throwing, throwing stuff at us. We're marching. Okay, we've marched. What do we do? Go home. Come back tomorrow. Okay. Yesterday was warming up. Now we're going to go. We're going to go now. March. We're going to march again. Okay. Come on. 600,000. You with me? Okay. Here we go. Let's go march. Watch. Still being obedient to the man of God. It looked so ridiculous. Don't you know then people thought, what is wrong with Joshua? He's lost his mind. Have you ever thought that about your pastor? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Dear Lord, I almost started a riot. He said, he said, we look like idiots. We marched yesterday. Day three they marched. Day four they marched. Day five, they quit asking. They thought this, Joshua's crazy. You know, they got together. We need to start thinking about electing a new leader. Joshua's crazy. He wants us marching. I don't, nothing's happening. We've done it every day for six days and not one thing has happened. They've quit worrying up on the wall. Look at them. They're laughing now too at us, pointing fingers at us. The enemy even thinks we're crazy. They were once scared. Now they think we've lost our minds. Mm -hmm. If I could find somebody in here that's, I'm going to be obedient to the man of God no matter what it costs me, no matter what it looks like. I know some of you are probably tired of hearing me preach this. Some of you are bowing up against me right now, but I'm feeling a freedom in the Holy Ghost I hadn't felt in a long time. Come on, somebody needs to know what it is just to be obedient to the man of God in your life. He's your mediator between you and God. When he gives him a word, when he gives him a word, you better listen to what he says. I promise you I didn't come to preach this tonight. We're marching. We're marching around the walls of Jericho. Day seven. Surely to God we're going to do something different today. God, seven is God's favorite number. You're right. It is his favorite number. Today we're going to march seven times around the wall. Two hours and 20 minutes for one man. 600,000 people marching around the walls of Jericho seven times. But he said on the seventh time, I want you to add a little worship. I want you to pull out your instruments. I want you to begin to lift up a shout into the name of your God. And then and only then will the walls come tumbling down and God will give her this city. And it happened just like the man of God said. It always will. Just like an ordained man of God. When he says it, it'll happen. If you'll get under the load of this thing, if you'll get under his mantle, if you'll be obedient, I know it may look foolish, but it'll keep you alive. It'll keep you alive if you'll do it. Let me get to my sermon. Get to my sermon. I read for you about the priest. I got me an authentic replica. This is as official as it comes. I need some help tonight. Will you come be my worshiper? Come be my worshiper? You don't like to worship, do you? Yeah. Hold this mic. All right. You're the high priest now. Stay right there and wait on my cue. 
The Bible said that they put pomegranates and bells on the bottom of that robe. And if the bells stopped, he would die. Now watch this. I told you a minute ago, I'm crazy. My kids will tell you, I think some crazy things. We have any, anybody in here that likes to get ready for church, standing in front of a mirror? Or perhaps you start singing in front of a mirror every once in a while. Anybody ever do that? Boy, if mirrors could talk. Let me take it a step further. We have any shower singers in the building tonight? I don't, Bishop McGee, I have preached a many a sermon staring in front of a mirror. My God, you better do what the man of God says. Staring right, if mirrors could talk, oh, what they would tell us. If showers could talk, oh, what would they say? And I got to thinking about this man of God. And the Bible said that he put that robe on and he went into that holy of holies and if the bells stopped ringing, they knew he was dead. Why don't you start dancing a little bit for me. Make them bells ring. Don't stop. Keep going. Just till I say stop. Watch this. You know what he had to do? He had to go in that holy of holies like nobody was watching. He had to dance like what nobody watching. He had to shout like what nobody else there. He had to dance before the Lord like there wasn't anybody else in the place. He must have looked like an absolute fool in there, but it kept him alive. The Bible said if the bells ever stopped, he was a dead man. Young people, I come to preach to you tonight. You better learn how to worship. You better make the bells ring. It may look foolish, but it'll keep you alive. If they ever stop, if your worship ever stops, they'll drag you out of this place dead. Learn what it is to worship. It looks foolish. People don't understand it, but it'll keep you alive. Uh, hang on, I, I, I want to shout, but I got, I got some stuff to share with you tonight. I, I want to show you some things. I don't know if this is true, and I sit down, sit down for a second. You can do whatever you want to do, bro. I, I looked. I, now, some scholars believe, not all of them, but some scholars believe that there was a rope tied to the priest's ankle. Many scholars will say it didn't happen, but you'll find a few. Most of the ones that say it are temple historians, which means that they got it from somewhere. But they believe that that priest would tie a rope around his ankle and they would hold on to it on the outside. And if he did die, they could drag him out because else how else would they get him out of there? Listen to me. I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm gonna preach you the principle here for just a second. You watch, that rope is what kept him tied to the elders in the church. And as long as he stayed tied to that church, they had a way to get him out of there. Young people, when you fall, when you mess up, if you'll stay close enough to this church, if you'll have that rope, if you'll have that connection, when you mess up, the elders can drag you back out. And because of the grace of Jesus Christ at Calvary, you can rise back up but you gotta stay in the church. Stay close to your pastor. Stay close to your man of God. Stay close and he can revive you. Stay close to him. Don't ever get so far out of reach that when you mess up and fall, they can't drag you back in. 
I know, I know it looks foolish, young people, but I wish some young people would begin to get a dance in their spirit and say, I'm going to be a worshiper. It doesn't matter what everybody else does. I don't care if this church is dead dry and nobody else shouts. When the keyboard takes the first note, I'm going to have my hands lifted. I'm going to make my way to an altar. I'm going to worship like nobody else is watching. I'm going to dance like nobody else is watching. It may look foolish, but it's keeping me alive. Okay, I, I, I guess I'm going to have to go here. I know what some of you are saying. I can read your, your forehead right now. I'm just not an emotional person. I just, I don't do that. I don't want to make anybody feel bad or guilty tonight. I don't know if it's in the scripture, but I wish I could find it. Maybe you can find it for me. I believe if you're going to make it to heaven at some point, you're going to have to learn how to dance. How are you going to dance on streets of gold if you can't dance on church carpet? Uh, I don't do that. I, I'm not an emotional person. I bet I can find something that will make you emotional. Let me have a hammer. Put your hand down. Let me pop that thumb. I bet you'll get emotional real quick. I bet you'll say, "Woo!" I bet you'll shout. Uh, let somebody win the lottery. Oops. Oh, I bet they'll shout then. Let somebody inherit a lot of money. Boy, we'll get real emotional then. Get on a roller coaster at an amusement park and we begin to go crazy. But get in front of the TV when our favorite sports team's playing. Man, we know how to shout then. But we get to the house of God and act like we don't know how to worship. You better learn how to worship before you shout for anybody else. You better get a dance in your feet for Jesus before you learn to shout for anybody else. I know it may look foolish, but it'll keep you alive. Help me out, Brother Mason. I'm finishing up here. Give me just about five more, maybe 10 more minutes. The Bible said in 2 Samuel, and it was told King David saying, the Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they bare the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was gurning with a linen ephod. He said, I'm not going to, he, he, and I didn't take time to read it. We know the story. He tried it another way and it didn't work. So he went back to the basics. He said, the very basics is we take six paces and then we shout a little bit. We take six paces and then we shout a little bit. Young person, take a lesson, take a lesson from David. He knew what it was to worship. You better get some worship in your spirit. It may look foolish, but it'll keep you alive. Watch this. What's in a dance? Why? Why do we dance? What is it? I begin to think about this. And I, I found just a couple of principles in this scripture. And to tell you what's in a dance, I'm going to tell you what's not in a dance. The first thing you won't ever find in a dance is your pride. Huh? Oh, man. You can see pride coming from a mile away. 
You know, I can spot pride easy when we're shouting and my young people are dancing and shouting all over the building and I've got a couple very dignified young people that stand in the back. Oh, bless Jesus. Huh? Oh, buddy. They got their eat up with pride. I don't want, I don't know how that's going to look. I don't know what, what so-and-so, you know, there's a boy here tonight that I like. There's a girl here tonight that if she sees me, my God, I preach to my students, when you go looking for a man, you find you a worshiper. You find you somebody in these altars. Find somebody in the prayer room. Find somebody that knows how to shout. When you go to find a mate, look for a worshiper. You better marry a worshiper. Come on, stand with me. Stand with me. I just got a couple more things and I'm done tonight. Pride. You'll never find pride in a dance. I get so sick of choreography, choreography dancing in the church. Oh, yeah. And I'm guilty of it from time to time. But every once in a while, I get like the writer that said, sometimes I just get beside myself. I just, I just throw caution to the wind. I begin to flap my arms and legs. It does not matter because I've not come to dance for anybody that's there. I come to dance in the presence of God. People may look at me and say, Brother Monday looked like a fool tonight, but that's okay. It may look foolish, but it's keeping me alive. Number two, you won't find in a dance is a cue card. Watch this, watch this. I found out in the Old Testament when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, it was Miriam that led the worship. It was Miriam that had the tambourine and she showed the people how to worship. Michael, David's wife, in accordance with Miriam's example, should have been the one out there showing the people how to dance. I'm not promoting men or women worship leaders. I think anybody can do it. But in the Old Testament, it was a woman that showed the people how to dance. Had David waited for Michael to dance, he would have been waiting a long time because her daddy never put that inside her spirit. But David said, I don't care if she does. I'm not going to wait on a cue card. I'm not going to wait on somebody else to step out. I'm not waiting on anybody else tonight. I'm going to promote worship myself. If nobody else ever steps out, you'll find me in the altars. You'll find me dancing around the pews. You'll find me running the aisles. If nobody else does, I'm not waiting on somebody else. I'm going to dance for Jesus. Come on, clap your hands and give him some praise. I wish somebody would get a dance in your spirit tonight. Let me, let me finish up tonight. The last thing you'll never find in a dance is approval from others. Uh, as David returned home that night, his wife, the non-worshipper, well, didn't you look lovely today, David? The king out there dancing and looking like a fool. Didn't you just look absolutely wonderful tonight? You've embarrassed me. You've embarrassed my father. You've embarrassed your kingship. David, you look like a fool. And my favorite response in all the scripture, he said, woman, I will be more vile than this. You haven't seen anything yet. 
I've not come to dance for your approval, Michael. I didn't come to dance for Saul's approval. I'm dancing in the presence of the Lord. I know I look like a fool. I know I look crazy, but it's keeping me alive. I wish somebody would begin to dance in this house tonight. Why don't you find a shout inside your spirit? Hallelujah. Come on, young people. We're going to let the elders do this tonight. I got, I got one more thing to say. The Bible said from that day forward, Michael's womb was shut up. I don't think, I don't think that means she couldn't have kids. I don't. I believe David made the statement. I refuse to reproduce with a non-worshipper. I refuse to produce a danceless generation. We were going to be a generation that knows how to worship. We're going to be a generation that does not care what the world thinks of us. I got to dance in my spirit. I'm dancing for the Lord. I've come tonight to bless his name. Come on, why don't you dance and shout out to God. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.